0: you're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. In Luke's narratives, his birth narratives, Jesus doesn't just carry these Jewish titles uh, of being born in the town of David and being the Messiah. He he also carries Roman titles of Lord, Savior, and and Peacebringer. So, so, So this is key. Rome, had its own gospel of peace that Luke is responding to in his version of the Jesus story. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. This is episode 309, and our title is Great Joy for All People. People, part two. This is our Christmas series this year, and we're going to pick up right where we left off in part one. Let's talk about Judaism in Imperial Rome. Living in Roman occupied territory, Jewish people hoped for a, a world free from injustice and foreign oppression. And in the Jewish uh, Sibylline oracles, which was a series of prophecies that were very valued within the first century, uh, especially within Judaism and in early Christianity, we find this vision. This is from volume 2, uh, page 319 through 324. The earth will belong equally to all, undivided by walls. Or fences, it will then bear more abundant fruits spontaneously. Lives will be in common, and wealth will have no division, for there will be no poor man there, nor rich, no tyrant, nor slave. Further, no one will be either great or small anymore. No kings, no leaders, all will be on a par together. So the hoped-for world in the Jewish vision of the future, it looked like a family where Yahweh was the the parent as the parent provided equally uh, for all. There was enough for everyone for always. And, and there was also two competing visions uh, 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 of the fate of the Gentiles including the Romans within uh, uh, the Jewish tradition. One strand was a, a violent and retributive stand. It, it was it was uh, there was a lot of retribution. This you can find in Micah five fifteen, uh, Micah seven ten, and Micah seven sixteen through seventeen. In anger and wrath I will execute vengeance on the nations that did not obey. Then my enemy will see and shame will cover her. Who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall, nor she <clears throat> now she will be trodden down like the of the streets, the nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might, and they shall lay their hands on their mouths. Their ears shall be deaf. They're, they shall lick the dust like a snake, like the crawling things of the earth. They shall come trembling out of their fortresses. They shall turn in dread to the Lord our God, and they shall stand in fear of you. And actually, this was quite mild compared to some Christian versions of of the world's future. Um, if you read the end of the book of Revelation, it becomes even worse. But uh, other Jewish options w- were much. There's a, there, again there was a competing strain, a thread in Judaism as well. Uh, another Jewish, very Jewish option, which was less violent and more restorative. It involved the conversion of the Gentiles. This is from Micah four, uh, one through three, and Isaiah two, two through four. In the days to come, the mountain of The Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised up above the hills. People shall stream to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall uh, judge between many peoples, and shall arbitrate between strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore they shall all sit under their own vines and under their own fig trees and no one shall make them afraid for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken again all injustice, oppression and violence and these uh, uh hopes for the future would cease and other prophets also envisioned Yahweh providing even a rich feast where there was enough again uh, for all Jew and Gentile alike this is from Isaiah 25 63 8, On this mountain of the Lord's host, uh, the Lord will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, uh, of rich food filled with marrow, uh, of well-aged wine strained clear, and He will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the d- disgrace of His people He will take away. From all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. Now, by the first century, this Jewish pre Christian vision. It also came to include a Messiah figure who would would birth this new world into existence. This is from uh, Psalm of Solomon 1721, uh, 1723 through 24, verse 29, and 32 through 33. Raise up for them their king, the son of David, to smash the arrogance of sinners like a potter's jar, to shatter all their substance with an iron rod, and to destroy the unlawful nations with the sword of of his mouth. He will judge peoples and nations in the wisdom of his righteousness. And remember that's the word for justice. and all shall be holy and their king shall be the Lord Messiah. For he will not rely on horse and rider and bow, nor will he collect gold and silver for war, nor will he build up hope in a multitude for a day of war. Another example is from the, the Dead Sea Scroll fragment Sorry, found in the, the K 4 at the Qumran. Uh, this is uh, uh, number 246. He will be called Son of God, and they shall call him Son of the Most High, like sparks of a vision. And so will the, their kingdom be. They will rule several years over the earth and crush everything. A people will crush another people and a city another city until the people of God arise or until he raises up the people of God and makes every, uh, everyone rest from the sword. His kingdom shall be an eternal kingdom and all paths and truths and uprightness. The earth will be in truth, and all will make peace. The sword will cease in the earth, and all the cities will pay him homage. Great, He is He is a great God among the gods, or the great God will be his strength. He will make war with him, and he will place the peoples in his hand and cast away everyone before him. His kingdom shall be an eternal kingdom. So we can see from these passages that when we look at the book of Luke, uh, the, when the the book of Luke was written, many within Judaism, they hoped for a restored world, again, where all injustice, all violence, and all oppression would be made right. Uh, And In some threads, it would be through the emergence of of a Messiah figure. This was the hope, again, of Judaism within imperial uh, Rome. Some believed this would be accompanied with violent retribution against their oppressors, and others believed that the Messiah figure would would bring more restorative or distributive, nonviolent, and and reconciling justice for everyone. Now let's talk, uh, lastly, before we move on to what we're going to cover next week, or 2 weeks from now rather because next week is christmas uh Christianity within Judaism within Roman imperialism last week we covered Roman imperialism we've talked here briefly this week about Judaism within Roman imperialism now let's talk about Christianity within that Judaism within that Roman imperialism Luke begins the Jesus story with John the Baptist. Like Matthew, he includes a birth narrative uh, about Jesus rather than starting the story with an adult Jesus. But, but but Luke, he begins his birth story with John's conception before Jesus. The experience of John's parents and Luke, it parallels that of, it's deeply Jewish, it parallels that of Abraham and Sarah, um, the patriarch and the matriarch of, of the Jewish people. You can find their stories in Genesis 15 uh, through 18. It also parallels the stories of Hannah and the birth of the prophet Samuel, who anointed King David. You can find this story in 1 Samuel 1-2. through And for Luke, John is the renewed Samuel, who will anoint Jesus, who is the renewed David. At his baptism, at Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan, Jesus, through John, becomes the renewed anointed one. And so, in these ancient stories with in Jewish culture, they also included miraculous conceptions by divine intervention or uh, miraculous conceptions. Those are a staple in Jewish birth birth narratives, and and they were especially so in the time of Rome. Remember, last week we talked about how Jesus's birth narrative, uh, what that meant in a in the context of of Roman mythological birth narratives for the Caesars, but miraculous births were also part of of the Jewish uh, theological world a- a- as well. Within both Judaism and Imperial Rome, birth narratives were, were not so much Biological explanations as much as they were about the destiny of the children that were being born. In our story this week, Luke interweaves again the birth narratives of Isaac, the birth narratives of Samuel, uh, the the birth narratives of Caesar Augustus, as we saw last week, with those of John the Baptist and Jesus. And what he's describing, uh, he describes Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, the Son of David, the renewed King of Israel born in David city, uh, Bethlehem. So let's read Luke's proclamation of the angels to the shepherds through these filters of both Judaism and Roman imperialism and see how Luke skillfully integrates into his story the hopes of, of Judaism and the, and the subversion of the political theology of the Roman Empire. Jesus, for Luke, is simultaneously the fulfillment of one, the fulfillment of Judaism and the subversion of the other or, or of Rome. And this is not, again, Jesus against Judaism. It's Christianity against Roman imperialism within a Jewish context. And I, I'm going to, to try to emphasize, I going to stop and emphasize uh, this, this Christmas passage for you. And the e-site will color code it so that you could see this more clearly. Uh, but I'm going to try to illustrate it for you here audibly as well via podcast. The, the, there are phrases here that represent the fulfillment of, of Jewish hopes. There are phrases that represent the subversion of Roman imperialism. And then there's phrases that do both simultaneously. And so I'm going to try to explain this as we go through it. And Luke 2, 2, 10 through 14. It says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. And remember that good news, we've talked about this. This was a, a, a in competition to the Roman gospel or the Roman good news. The the euangelion, the gospel was a, a Roman phrase. So here's the subversion of Rome. I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all all the people. And that phrase, all the people, that was a fulfillment of the Jewish hope. So again, in this phrase, you're subverting Rome at the same time lifting up the Jewish hope. In the town of the, in the, today in the town of David, and there again, there's that Jewish hope, a savior. And remember that term savior, as we saw last week, was a deeply Roman term. Caesar was the savior. So today in the town of David, here's the Jewish hope, a savior, the subversion of Rome has been born to you. He is the Messiah, a Jewish term, the lord and remember lord was a term for caesar so you have this mixture this will be assigned to you you will find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger and there's that those jewish uh, uh, roots of of miraculous births and 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 incredible birth narratives about pe- babies who will grow up to do great things suddenly a great company of the heavenly host and that word host that's a jewish term appeared with the angel Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. Now, glory to God, that's both Jewish and Roman, in the highest heaven. That is the fulfillment of a a Roman phrase. Oh, sorry, a Jewish hope. And on earth, Peace. That's the subversion of Rome. Rome is not what brings peace on earth. This baby born in a manger would bring peace on earth and to all on whom his favor rests. And that word favor, that was the hope of the Jewish people, that the favor of Yahweh would be uh, restored. In Luke's birth narrative over and over again, Jesus is both the Davidic Messiah who converges with Judaism, and he's the Lord, Savior, the peace bringer who diverges from Rome. As Borgen cross and state in, in the first Christmas, this is page 154, from the time of Caesar Augustus onward, the title the Lord meant the emperor, just as de Fuhrer meant the leader in Germany. Eventually, that term designated Adolf Hitler as Germany's supreme and only leader, in that context, to have called Christ the Fuhrer would have meant death and Dachau. Now, now, think about that. In, G- in, 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 in Luke's narratives, his birth narratives, Jesus is, doesn't just carry these Jewish titles uh, of being born in the town of David and being the Messiah. He is. He also carries Roman titles of Lord, Savior, and, and Peacebringer. So, 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 this is key. Rome had its own gospel of peace that Luke is responding to in his version of the Jesus story. By 9 BCE, the Roman province of Asia Minor, it was making... This following declaration about Augustus, this is quoted again from Borg and Crossan from their book, The First Christmas, page 160. Since the providences that had divinely ordered our existence has applied her energy and zeal and has brought to life the most perfect good in Augustus, whom she filled with virtues for the benefit of mankind, bestowing him upon us and our descendants as a savior, he who put an end to war and will order peace. Caesar, who who by his epiphany exceeded the hopes of all those who prophesied glad tidings or the gospel, remember, not only outdoing benefactors of the past, but also allowing no hope of greater benefactions in the future. And since the birthday of the God first brought to the world, the gospel or the good tidings residing in him, remember all this is talking about Caesar, it continues. For that reason, with good fortune and safety, the Greeks of Asia have decided that the new year in all the cities should begin on the 23rd of December, the birthday of Augustus, and that the letter of the uh, proconsul and the decree of Asia should be inscribed on a pillar of white marble, which is to be placed in the sacred precinct of Rome and Augustus. And that year, there was a magnificent altar of peace that was dedicated in, in Rome's campus Martius. Uh, it was consecrated not just to the, the Pax Romana or the Peace of Rome, but it was dedicated more precisely to the Pax Augustana or the Peace of Augustus. It was named uh, Aria Paxis Auguste, which is the altar of Augustan peace. Uh, the gospel of peace that Rome was proclaiming, it was a peace, remember, that was achieved through Rome's militaristic victory and the violent overthrow of Rome's enemies. and the we can find uh, this same thread of violence in Jewish hopes for the future, too, in Luke's gospel, he's appealing to the more nonviolent hopes for the future, where all violence, injustice, and oppression would together uh, uh, be made right, and 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 injustice and oppression and violence would come to an end. In Luke's gospel narrative, Luke channels nonviolent, restorative Jewish visions of peace. Luke's Jesus He shares the vision of a peace on earth that's rooted... In the restoration of justice for all the oppressed. Even Luke's choice to describe shepherds as the the first recipients of this angelic announcement that we're reading in this series, that, that's significant. Shepherds were from, again, the marginalized peasant class, and they were the most acutely—they most acutely experienced Roman oppression and exploitation. And just two chapters after the birth narrative here, Luke's Jesus is, is announcing— uh, good as he grows up, he's announcing good news to the poor, the release to the captives, and sight to those with prison blindness. He's come to let the oppressed free. and we find this in Luke 4:18 and 19. The angel's message to those poor shepherds in Luke 2, it foreshadows Jesus's entire message in the Gospel of Luke. For Luke, Rome's peace, uh, peace gospel especially which was through violence and 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 the peace gospel of Jesus which was through distributive justice those two gospels of peace they come face to face Jesus and Rome they hold out to humanity two alternative visions for arriving on pe- at peace on earth Rome's way was peace through through violent forces of of militaristic victory and oppression and and that's the way of all empires Luke's Jesus promises peace through nonviolent, restored, distributive justice for all people, for everyone. And again, I I, I love this statement from the first Christmas, page 166. This is Borgen Cross. And again, the terrible truth is that our world has never established peace through victory. Victory establishes not peace, but lull. Thereafter violence returns once again and always worse than before and it is the es- it is that escalator violence that then endangers our world the world has yet to see if choosing the way of nonviolently achieved distributive justice especially that of Jesus if it produces lasting peace christian imperialism and colonialism I believe they co-opted the Jesus story throughout history. Luke's Jesus instead points to the way of peace being based not on conquering another, but on restoring a distributive justice that is achieved through nonviolent means for all. And today, these two gospels, they st- these two ways of arising, arriving at peace and survival and thriving, they offer uh, they're, they're they're still grinding one against another even for Christians. And today we still see The conflict, but it's not—it's not Rome versus Jesus. Too often, it's certain sectors of Christianity versus Jesus. And Luke's Christmas story, again, it offers more than than private peace of mind for Christians. It it points to a path uh, toward peace. On Earth, not just peace of mind, but peace on Earth for everyone. It's a peace that comes through a distributive justice that's restored for all, especially those that are marginalized in the present system. In our next and on our final installment of this holiday series, which will be in the New Year, uh, we're going to stay on this Christmas narrative just one more episode. We're going to consider some of this just a little uh, uh, more fully, a little more deeply. For this week, it is enough to ponder the words that were said to those uh, shepherds in the story. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Heart group application this week. This week, as you gather together in your heart groups before Christmas, take some time to to go around and just make it a moment of affirmation. Say something you appreciate or you value about each person in the room. Then number two, share with your group something that you're grateful for. uh, From 2019. Take time to celebrate and be thankful together, uh, especially as this year is coming to a close. And then, number three, share something that you're hopeful for or that you're looking forward to in the coming year. Thank you so much for checking in with us this week. Wherever you are, keep choosing love, compassion, taking action, and reparative and distributive justice. Another world is possible if we choose it. And also, Also, remember, all year-end donations here to Renewed Heart Ministries, they are being matched dollar for dollar Uh, through this generous offer. uh, You you can have your your year-end gift go twice as far as we move into this next decade. And also, we're offering a special thank you gift to all of our sustaining partners uh, for the coming year. Uh, To find out more on how you too can become a a sustaining partner and receive that gift, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click on the, the shared table fundraiser image or on the year-end uh, 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 giving uh, icon. Uh, happy holidays to all of you. It will be Christmas next Wednesday, and next Friday we will not be releasing a, a podcast uh, episode, so the next time I will you'll hear from me that we'll spend time together will be in the new year. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you in that new year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you. And thank you once again for your support.